Genesis 24, it says that um, Abraham was blessed in every way. And um, I've been studying Abraham over the last uh, month or so, and this is the last chapter um, where, you know, Abraham kind of does his thing before in Genesis 25, he actually passes. And um, that verse, um, Genesis 24.1, it says, Abraham was now very old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. I pondered this. For, I, I sat back and just prayed about that verse because it just hit me. Because I had just read through Abraham's entire journey, his entire walk, his entire um, path towards being like the, the amazing like father of all these descendants. You know, uh, God gave him that promise that as many stars are in the sky, those will be your descendants. And and so Abraham had, Abraham had gone through this journey, and at the end of his life, it said he had been blessed in every way. So what does that mean to you when you hear blessed in every way? Because honestly, when I ponder those words, I, I think about financial peace. I think of joy. I think of fulfillment in my career. Um, I think of I think of the spiritual part of his, of it as well, but. When you think blessed in every way, that's such a that's such a grand statement. I mean, he was blessed in every way. Um, was he blessed in every way because he was Abraham? No, he wasn't blessed in every way because he was Abraham. He was blessed in every way because he embraced the journey that God had put him on. He embraced the path that God had placed in front of him. And tonight we're going to be talking about that. We're going to talk about that, that journey and, the, and how the blessing that comes from the call of the Lord, um, we see that in the journey. And we need to embrace the journey that God has put each and every one of us on. So in short, he wants you to have a deeper relationship with him. He wants us to be blessed in every way. But as I read that statement... I, I, did some, I did some additional reading of different verses, and I realized that he wants us to realize the ways that we um, don't latch on to the path, to the journey that God has us on. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And we're going to start with a... So we're going to... Can I give you the format of the evening? We have a... God's given a few, like, real succinct bullets that need to be in the back of your mind as we consider Abraham's path, as we consider Abraham's journey. So um, just want to give a few like bullets that really set us up for looking at Abraham's life. The, the first verse we're going to look at is Jeremiah 29, 11, which is probably one of those verses that you, you know, it's your go-to memorized verse, right? But um, for those of you who don't know it, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Uh, this is a fantastic verse. It, it, in a vacuum, I mean, it just sums up just how good our God is. And it's important to note that this verse is oftentimes just a source of comfort, a source of joy, and it's a fantastic reminder of how good our God is. But tonight, I want, I want to be a little blunt. I don't know, can you be a little blunt? That's kind of oxymoron. I'm going to be blunt. We use it too much in a touchy-feely way. We use this verse in too much of a touchy-feely way. And let me give some context around that. 
need to understand the context around that verse. All right, Jeremiah 29, 11. I want to jump back a chapter to Jeremiah 28. Now, I'm not going to read anything out of Jeremiah 28, but all of Jeremiah 28 is all about this false prophet, Hananiah. And Israel had been struggling. Israel had been in pain. They'd been suffering. They'd been part of slavery. And they were so desperate to hear good news. They were so desperate to hear this, everything's going to be all right. God's got you. You know, you'll, you'll come out of this. And Hananiah came to the Israelites and said, hey, I've got good news. God is going to deliver you in two years. And I'm sure not shocked where, you know, everyone's like, yeah, Hananiah. That's, that's what I'm talking about. You know, that's exactly what we needed to hear. And Jeremiah comes in and he says, that's a lie. That's a false prophet. How do you think that everyone felt about Jeremiah at that very moment? And so Jeremiah 29 is all about the rebuttal to that false prophet and saying that God has amazing plans for you, plans to prosper you. But we oftentimes don't think about the verses that follow right after that verse. So Jeremiah 29, 12 through 14 say, and by the way, we're reading in the NIV all, all night tonight. Um, it says, you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Then I will be found by you. There's work that needs to be done on our part to walk into that promise. You know, we in a vacuum, the, the, the verse is fantastic, and I don't want to take that away, but the next section is... I know you're going through a lot of struggle right now. I know that you're going through pain. I know that you're in slavery. I know that you're in bondage. That's not going to go away like that. But you're going to seek me. You're going to seek me. You're going to seek after me. You're going to pray. You're going to be intentional about that relationship with me. And I'm going to get you to those plans. So that's extremely important as we look at Abraham's life and we analyze it to realize that we need to do the work. We need to be intentional about reaching out to him. Mark talked two weeks ago about um, we make time for what we value. And this is kind of a byproduct of that. We, If we truly value walking into those plans, we're going to make time for him. We're going to seek him out. So I, I think that that's a very important, just again, baseline thing to remember as we look at Abraham's life. And the thing that I just want to make very clear, it is somewhat of an if-then proposition. You know, if we seek him, then we will find him. And that's important. So, anyway, I've talked about that, that verse quite a bit. But um, I want to follow that up with another simple bullet that's, that is so important to grasp. Does God always get his way? God does not always get his way. All right, so we just talked about the plans that God has for us, how we need to seek, seek him. But God does not always get his way. And to do that, we're going to stay in Genesis, Genesis 6-6. In case anyone... The first time I heard that was at Impact Rock Church. And I was like, whoa, you know, he's omnipotent. He knows all. You know, how does he not always get his way? And there's some really simple answers. You know, A, he didn't design death. 
And death is all around us, so that's definitely one way that God doesn't get his way. But So you look at Genesis 6, 6. It says that the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. This was right before the flood. And if God, God didn't design the earth so that he would then wipe it away. That's not the God we know. His heart was deeply troubled. So going back to Jeremiah 29, 11, and pairing it with this verse, I feel like sometimes Christians or even you know people you do life with can take Jeremiah 29, 11 out of context. They'll say, they'll say, hey, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. That's why you got in that car accident. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. That's why you lost your family member. You know, and say, God has a plan for it. God has a plan for this. No. (laughs) You need to throw that back in their face and say, no, God does have plans for me, and they're good, but this isn't part of it. Because God doesn't always give his way. In general, it's a hard thing to grasp, but it's an essential thing to grasp. And so you may even say, you know, putting all this together, you know, the God has these plans for you and he doesn't get his way. Like, well, I want, I, I want him to have his way. Why doesn't he just choose to have his way more? And I was going to, you know, show a clip from the Lego movie tonight, but I decided against it, you know, just because it, you know, I'm not a youth pastor anymore. I can't put cartoons in sermons. Um, so, uh, but... Oftentimes when we're like, Lord, just do this for me. Do that for me. Why aren't you showing up here? Why aren't you showing up there? We're kind of, we're kind of like Lord Business in the Lego movie. We're, you know, we want micromanagers to like move us here, move us there. And that takes the relationship out of this relationship and makes us just pawns for him. In 2 Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Not wanting, wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The point Jeremiah was making is that the Lord has awesome plans for you, for me, and that's true. But we make the choices. And Jeremiah communicated that the people of Israel had to seek him. And through it all, in that Second Peter verse, he is, he's, he's patient with you. And the reason he's doing that is because he's our dad. He wants us to grow. He wants us to mature. He wants us to walk into that promise that he has for us. That analogy is used all the time, but it's true. We don't give our kids every little thing that they want. We let them grow. You know, Glenn Eastman gave a, a, a great analogy about how, you know, when your kid, you know, falls, you know, they're starting to walk for the first time and, and they fall, you don't go and then pick them up. You say, okay, come, come, come to me. No, get back up. Come to me. And that growth is what is, is so important to understand as we think about our journey as Christians. All right, so we've got a couple good bullets here. You know, one, God has awesome plans for us. We have to seek him. God doesn't always get his way. And there's one more thing to just keep in our minds as we look at Abraham. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I've referenced this verse so much in my life recently because I have been anxious about so much. I am struggling to walk into a new season with a new job and a new calling at the church and trying to be a good dad, trying to be a, a good husband. And um, I'm anxious about lots. I'm anxious about lots. And that's okay. It's okay that I'm anxious about lots because I'm human and I'm on a journey to walk into the path of what God has for me. So it's okay that I'm anxious right now. This verse takes work. This verse takes work. It takes being intentional about... You can't just snap your fingers and like, I don't have to be anxious about anything. But in prayer, in thanksgiving, we start to get to the point where we're not anxious about anything. I need to credit Nate for for speaking about this at our uh, our last men's breakfast, which was so... It touched me just because the work... It's fine that we have to do the work to get there. It's fine that we're anxious. But that's the promise piece comes from working out that journey, from walking out that journey. All right, so those are the just baseline items that I really wanted to just touch um, before we looked at Abraham's life. And so, again, to recap them, to make sure that we're all on the same page, we have an opportunity to be blessed in every way. God has plans to prosper us. Yeah does not always get his way. We have to seek him to walk into those plans. And we are to be anxious about nothing. And so this, all that allows us to turn to Abraham. And so for this discussion on Abraham, I want, I want to just us to imagine or, or see this straight line, right? So here's, here's where Abraham is, right where he gets his calling. And this picture on the wall here that is the promise of the Lord, all right? And just think about the fact that Abraham, his entire uh, life from that first calling to his death was decades. It was not something that clicked overnight. And the reason that I think this, this, this study is important is because we oftentimes think of names like Abraham and David and these, these men of the Bible that just like are so strong and, and they really mean so much to us as Christians— we oftentimes idolize them and think, oh, they were on another playing field. They, they were so holy. <laughs> they, they weren't dealing with what I was dealing with or what I'm dealing with. And it's important to realize that Abraham was a man. Abraham goes through and went through, well, not goes through now, but he went through things that we go through every day. So I want to look at his journey, and I'm going to go pretty fast, because the reason that I'm going through his life is not so, you know, we can study all of Abraham's life, because that would take weeks. There's a theme here that I think is very, very important. So, step one. This is the start of Abraham's journey. And through this, by the way, I'm going to call Abraham Abraham through the entire message. Um, He was Abram at first, and then there was a new covenant, and he was named Abraham. That's not really tangible to this specific message, but it is really cool if you look into that. So just wanted to let you know, I'm calling him Abraham. Um, so Genesis 12, 1 through 3. This is the first promise from the Lord to Abram. See, I just called him Abram because it's in here. Um, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's households to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Sweet. Done. You know, he just jumped right from here to there, right? He just jumped right to the promise, right? No. No, he didn't. This is the first time that Abraham got this promise from the Lord. So, in the same chapter, let's, let's talk about the start of the journey. So Genesis 12, 7-8 says, The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on towards the hill east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So here he is. He took, he took some baby steps here. And part of that, notice what he did both times. He made an altar to the Lord. He praised his name, gave sacrifices to the Lord along his journey. So he's thankful, right? So he stepped into that. So that's good. That goes back to the Philippians 4, 7, and 8. You know, in everything, don't be anxious. But instead, you know, with thanksgiving, don't be anxious, right? So great first step from Abraham. Step two. Um, this is not moving forward. Um, Genesis 12, 10 through 20. Um, there was a famine in the land. Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but let you live. So say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarah was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious disease on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So I took her to be my wife. Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. So, I mean, I took a step forward towards the goal previously, right? That first step was good, some altars, being thankful. And then this, he goes towards Egypt. He is, he's fearful. He's, he's taken some sideways steps or even backward steps that says, Ah, Lord, I trust you, but I'm going to go ahead and have someone else have sex with my wife. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's a pretty big, you know, that's a pretty big gap there, right? Because he's like, I'm fearful, and therefore I'm going to make this, this decision that is counter to what your promise is. Um, important thing to question here. Abraham made a misstep. Did his promise change? Did his promise change? No. His promise didn't change, but he had to get back on, on the path, back looking towards the Lord. I'm going to start going through these steps quick. Step three after the Egypt debacle, <laughs> Abraham listens to the Lord, gives Lot his choice of land. The Lord promises in Genesis thirteen fifteen, all the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. And then Abraham thanks the Lord and builds an altar. Again, thankful, walking into that promise. And then God gives them the, I don't, how can this be promise? So step four, God promises them a child. Abraham doubts fleshly circumstances. His wife's old. He's old. How is this possible? She's never been able to have kids before. 
In Genesis 16.5, Sarah said to Abraham, oh wait, hold on, before we go here. So the decision that Abraham made was uh, with Sarah is, um, why don't you go sleep with my servant? <laughs> so God promised a child, and their decision was, well, obviously it can't be me, so why don't you go sleep with my servant and have a child with my servant? So again, it's just, and, and obviously this is kind of a, a whoops moment, right? But Genesis 13, 15, um, or sorry, Genesis 16, 5, Sarah said to Abraham, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now um, that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge, or may the Lord judge between you and me. So I say that, <laughs> I mean, there, that saying, you know, there's no something but a woman's scorn. I'm terrible with analogies, but I mean, she, uh, this is like she she told him to sleep with her servant, and then she got pregnant, and then she got mad at him, and it was not a good situation, right? So another kind of weird step, not following the promise of the Lord, and then the Lord continues to tell him, "You're going to have a child," and so in Genesis 18:10 through 15. It says, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the, uh, to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the point in time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And then Abraham goes to Sarah, and Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I didn't laugh. And the Lord's like, yeah, yeah you did. <laughs> so, I mean, just this arguing with the Lord. And, and the reason I'm going through all these steps, and, and again, there's a couple more, but the purpose of going through this whole journey is like, the promise is all the way out there. The promise, the path, the journey is all the way out there. Um, and they're going in every which way. They're not on the straight path. They're not consistently going in the path that the Lord has for them. The Lord has great plans for them, but and they, and they seek Him here, and then they don't seek Him here. And they make this mistake, but then they, they get back on the path. Does that sound like our lives at all? It sounds like my life a lot. <laughs> it sounds like my life a lot. Because I know that God has amazing things for me. I know that in my heart of hearts. So why am I struggling? Why am I making these wrong mistakes? Why am I getting off the path? It's because I'm human, just like Abraham was human. And see what God did with Abraham. Um, so guess what Abraham did when he you know, came to a new land uh, with a new leader? You'd think he maybe learned his lesson, right? Um, no, he pulled the same wife-sister trick again. He's like, you know what? This worked before. Um, let's let's pull that card out again. Like, how is this the go-to tactic to deal with um, the fear that they're that they're uh, dealing with? So he does that again, um, and then God does give that child to Abraham and Sarah. So God, throughout this entire time, where they're kind of dancing around the path, they finally get to this point where, again, this is 15 years after the initial promise that Abraham has Isaac. And Sarah is overjoyed. I love just this, this verse, Genesis 21, 6 7. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. That's a joyous laugh, by the way. And she added, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I am born him a son in his old age. And just praising the Lord for that amazing gift. 
finally, that brings us to the ask that is so famous. Genesis 22.2 Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go, go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. All right, so the reason that I felt the Lord wanted us to go through all those steps and go through what Abraham had gone through in his life is to have that context as he enters this incredible ask. You know, we oftentimes think, okay, Abraham was just a man of God. He trusted him. Boom. Think about that morning. Think about that morning he had to, I mean, it says in the in the word that he was, you know, he was, you know, cutting the firewood and just like, Lord, I, I trust you, but I, I, how can I go through this? Had that whole morning cutting wood. He had to ready the cattle. He had to gather his servants. He had to make this entire trip to the mountain. And then he had his son Isaac ask, Father, I see the wood. You know, I see the kindling. Like, I, I don't see the sacrifice. I don't see the, the goat or the, or the you know, uh, animal, the sacrifice. So he had that to deal with. His son is, like, begging to him. He's like, you know, where, where, where's the sacrifice? I don't know if Isaac had a sense of what was going on. Probably not, because most kids don't think their dad's about to sacrifice them. Um, but Abraham, Abraham, a man, had to deal with this. This incredible ask. All of this work that he did to get to this point, these trials and tribulations, the the missteps, the no, I, I made a mistake there, but then being thankful and focusing on the promise of the Lord got him to this point where he had gone through enough to realize that his Lord was going to provide for him, that he was going to follow through in this impossible ask because he trusted the Lord. And it wasn't because Abraham was Abraham, it's because he went through all of these things and matured and grew as he got to this point. And so important to understand that because we oftentimes look at these stories and we just think, oh, that doesn't apply to me because it's Abraham. No, this is a man who dealt with so much. So he followed through. He followed through, and he's ready to make the ultimate sacrifice. And the Lord is just like, ah, oh, Abraham, my faithful servant, there's a goat. <laughs> sacrifice the goat. <laughs> and I can just imagine that being this, this ultimate turning point for Abraham, where he had gone through all this trial and tribulation, um, and he got to this point where he just trusted in the Lord. So... Earlier we established that God has a plan and God doesn't always get his way. But look at the ways throughout this journey of Abraham's that he intervened. Our God is a God that intervenes on our behalf. Both of the times where Abraham, for whatever reason, pulled out the, you know, hey, this is actually my sister card. The Lord's like, Abraham, no. <laughs> That's not, that wasn't my intention. Uh, I'm, I'm going to make sure that they don't sleep with your wife. I'm going to protect you because I care about your purpose. He intervenes. He intervenes for us. Isaiah 46, 9-10 says, Remember the former things, those of long ago. 
I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, and then what is also still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. So here's the the mind, like the thing that can really screw with your mind. It's fine that it screws with your mind. Um, because it screws with mine, because I don't understand God completely, because he's God. But, did God ask Abraham to sacrifice his son knowing that Abraham was going to say yes? Yeah. Could Abraham have said no? Yes. Yes, he did. Or yes, he could have. And that is, that is something that's really hard to grasp as, as a Christian, right? Because he is all-knowing. It just says right here that he knows what is still to come. But he also has given us free will. And so we have that decision. Abraham could have said no. But he didn't. And we have to accept that. We can't grasp it. But if we believe he's all-knowing about what is still to come as it says in this verse above, but it also says in other verse he doesn't always get his way, we have to understand that we have the choice. We have the free will. All right. So, I just, I just, I just hit Mark in the head. Yeah, I just did that. Did, did God know I was going to do that? Yeah, he did. Did I choose to do that? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Did God keep me from hitting Mark in the head? No. Was it God's will? I don't know. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. But we made that. We make these decisions. We're in charge of our decisions. But the incredible thing is that He intervenes. He intervenes. Marie's testimony tonight is incredible. It's incredible. And and think about even the way she told it. it. I mean, it's totally from God. She knew that that was there. She knew the cancer was there for weeks. God could have at any point said, you know what, I don't want you to have that anymore. So it's gone. He could have intervened at any point and just taken it away. But he didn't. She, she seeked yeah, she seeked him. She seeked him. And when she seeked him, he's like, yes, I see I see that. And I know that that's not part of the plans I have for you. And I heal you. And now we get the testimony of that. Which is so cool. Just so cool. So, I just want it clear that it's this weird like combination of God's all-knowing. But we also have free will. We get to make these decisions. Um, so one last one last point. We'll wrap up here in in a second, but I want to kind of bring this all together. Um, the thing that I really want to focus on is this concept of being blessed in every way. Being blessed in every way. We see our purpose. We see that end vision sometimes where the Lord will speak something over us. Or we feel the Lord move us towards 
you know, being youth pastors or whatever it may be. Like we feel that we feel that that voice of God, and and we then get on this path. We get on this journey. Um, we have to be realistic about how hard this journey is. We have to be realistic about hard, how hard this journey is. We can't just use verses like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven and just say, God's got great plans for you. He does, but that's, that's not what we need. We're going through a battle. We're going through a battle to get on this journey, and we so often are like, you know what? Well, it's a journey for God, so I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to admit that this is hard. It's hard. It is hard. And we as brothers and sisters in Christ have to, uh, we have to embrace the fact that we have brothers, we have sisters, we have, we have friends, we have family that we need to be doing this with. That we need to be intentional about doing this with them. And we have to get in the Word. We have to get in the Word. I, I, felt, I, I felt guilt as I, as I prepared this message. I felt also an urgency from the Lord. We have limited time to realize everything that the Lord has for us. If we value that envision, we're going to take the steps. We're going to be intentional about how we spend our time to get to that vision. Eric and Katie have an amazing, amazing path ahead of them. They have been called to Scotland. I got the country right. Yeah, I did it. I did it. It's not Ireland. Um, they've been intentional through this time, and it's not been easy. They've had to be more, more patient than I'm sure that they would have ever wanted to be in getting to this point because they had this heart. They saw the vision. But they are walking it out, and they're going to need support. It's not something that, like, when they get out to, to, to Scotland, why do I struggle with that so much? Um, that the support part is over, you know. It's, it's just beginning. And so I felt this just, this urgency for us as Christians to watch how we're spending our time. Watch how we're spending our days. Because if we're not careful, we're missing out on those opportunities to get closer to that point where we're like, you know what? I can look back on my life and I can say, I have been blessed in every way. I just outlined all of the mistakes Abraham made. I just outlined all of the ways that Abraham just screwed up along the path, right? They're, they're going to be there. And we have to be okay with that. Um, and because we know they're going to be there, we have to be intentional about getting back on the path, about spending time with the Lord and actually getting on that path that He has for us. And I don't, I don't know any blunter way to say it. It's just something that the Lord wants so badly for us to seek Him. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven becomes true when we seek Him. James 1, 2 through 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Notice it doesn't say, jump up, smile, and be happy every single time that you face trials. That work towards joy is a journey. It's something that we need to work towards. And we have to do it together. 
Um, we have to be intentional about how we spend our time. Byron, you want to come up? Um, I mean, I know I covered a lot, and I, and I normally like to try and, you know, be a little more succinct with the material that, like, is, is a message, right? Because I use lots of verses, I use lots of examples, but the point of going through Abraham's whole journey was so that we understand, in that last verse, it says, Abraham was blessed in every way. But look back on his journey, look at the pain he went through. Look at the things that he experienced. It wasn't joy in the moment when Abraham was thinking that his wife was about to sleep with a pharaoh. There wasn't, there wasn't blessing in that moment. There wasn't, like, the promise in that moment. But yet, Abraham was blessed in every way. The blessing comes in the journey. The blessing comes in the journey. And that's what we get to do right now. We get to acknowledge the, the, the crap that we're going through. We get to acknowledge the amazing things that we're going through. We get to look towards the prize and understand that if we continue to focus on Him and seek Him, we are then going to be here and we're going to be like, I've been blessed in every way. But that's now that we have to do that. It's now that we have to step up. It's now that we have to get in the Word. It's now that we have to step out in faith. It's now that we have to make steps towards that. How are we blessed in every way? We have the Spirit of the Lord at our disposal. We get to do this journey. Abraham got to go on one of the coolest roller coasters ever with the God of the universe. We get to do the same thing. It wasn't all good. It was hard. It was long. Some decisions were really wrong. But he took that journey. The reason I felt God really wanted this to be a message is instead of just, you know, my like for me in my study time is that um, we discredit how hard this journey can be sometimes. And we, for whatever reason as Christians, we sometimes sugarcoat the difficulties. And we aren't real with ourselves about the difficulties. We look at verses like Jeremiah 29, 11 in a vacuum. We look at, you know, consider it all joy when you go through trials. I have no joy. And we think about it just as a vacuum in that specific circumstance instead of looking at how you're going on this journey towards those verses being true in your life. I, I know just me personally... I've always struggled with the fact that I'm a sinner. How can God use me? You know, that's just something that I consistently have to, like, I have to fight that. I have to fight that lie of the enemy. I feel flawed sometimes. We feel like we're not enough sometimes. But the cool thing is, is that Abraham was all those things too. <laughs> I kind of already, I kind of already, like, went on, I put all caps in here. Do something about it. <laughs> you know, I already kind of went through that as I was as I was just talking. But um, the thing that would have killed Abraham's promise is if after he made these mistakes, he's going in circles, be like, "I'm not worthy." And I'm like, "Oh, well, there's the Lord." Oh, but I sinned and I made a mistake. And you're, I I could tell Joe. I doubt there were Joe. You know, Joes in the Old Testament, but. 
I could tell Joe about it, but I'd rather just keep circling the wagons because I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want I don't want anyone else to see that I'm struggling. I don't want anyone else to know that I am on this hard journey. So I'm going to keep a smile on my face. And you're you're going around in circles. You're not admitting what's really going on in your life. You're not admitting the flaws that God wants to come in and heal. So if there's one thing that I'd love for you to take away from this message is that the blessing, that you're blessed in every way. I've been blessed in every way. At the end of your life, you can look back and say, I'm blessed in every way. It's because you took that journey. It's because you took that journey and you were intentional about that journey that God has for you. Guys, life can, life can be fine. Life can be fine. As a Christian, life can be okay. Life can be decent. It can be, you know, you can have a fine life as, as a Christian, not pressing into that ultimate promise. It's not going to be fulfilling. It's not going to be fulfilling. You can either have a fine life and, and focus on self and focus on what I need right now and and wallow in, when things don't go well and um, or you can or you can go through the trenches and get towards that promise and have this fulfilling life where you can look back and say I was blessed in every way to finish up let's look back at Genesis 24 Abraham's last chapter in the Bible Genesis 24 2 says that Abraham said to the senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all he had, put your hand under my thigh. Talk about verses that are weird in a vacuum. <laughs> that's, that's one of them. <laughs> I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant asked him, What if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Pretty innocent request there, right? Pretty innocent. The servant, it's, it's a wise question. Abraham, though, after this long life of, of understanding the promise of the Lord, he wasn't anxious. He wasn't fearful. He was thankful and understood that God's peace had already overcome him. His promise was true, and his response was as easy as can be. Make sure you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land, and he spoke to me and promised on oath, saying, To your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. Why was Abraham so blunt and so confident about that? Because he had lived a full life understanding exactly what the Lord had for him. He seeked the Lord and he knew exactly the right answer in that moment. If you don't know that in a decision that you need to make in your life right now, that is great. If you do not know exactly the right decision, if you're not confident in what God has or hasn't spoken over you, awesome. Because that means you get to seek Him. That means that you get, a, you, you, get, you get to talk to your daddy. 
and ask him, okay, I don't, I don't know the answer to this. And even then, it's fine because Abraham had, whatever, 60, 70 years of being so close to the Lord. As a matter of fact, talk to those people who have lived more life <laughs> and get counsel from them. Talk to the people who you respect, who have wisdom in your life or over your life and, and seek counsel from them because they have, they have seek the Lord more. They have more of that wealth of knowledge, that, that goodness that you can just soak up from them. The blessings in the journey, guys. We have a cool opportunity to step into a really cool season. Um, but I don't want, as we have excitement around the building, as we have excitement around what God is doing at Impact Rock Church, you have your journey. You have your journey. So seek him. Be intentional about seeking him. And you will walk into those awesome plans that the Lord has for you.